Hi everyone, it's Paola Diana and this is Unleashed the Game Changers. Thank you for being here again. Today our guest is called by many the communication guru. She's a powerful woman who started her career in New York at CBS News and then she came to London and she worked for ITN News and CNN International News. And then she launched her own communication PR firm. She's the woman to go to if you want to tell your story in the best way. Thank you, Geraldine Sharp Newton, to be here with us today. How Welcome. delightful. I love it. How delightful is that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I never, I, I never know what to call myself. I think at the end of the day, it's about being a storyteller, an advice giver. Um, it's helping people figure out how they are going to communicate about themselves and how they're going to be comfortable with themselves. That's really what it's about. You know, it's how we put yeah. one foot in front of the other. And communication is it's, so important it's, nowadays. It's fundamental. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's more than communication. It's about words. Words really matter. Yes. And how we use words Absolutely. really matter. Tell me what do you think about leadership and how you discovered that you have leadership, so you are a true leader because you actually are. <laughs> I, I think it was, it was, people opened, it was because people opened doors. People spotted something in me that I did not know that I really had. And when someone who was someone that I respected enormously, and this happened back when I was uh, living in Pittsburgh, it happened at university, it always happened that people said, we want you to be the president of this, or we want you to do that. We, there was a belief that I would deliver. And I think because of the people who asked, I was so gobsmacked by it that I thought, shoot, if they think I can do that, that I can, that do, I can it. do it. And I did it. And it's about, um, I think there's certain things that I have. I mean, one of them is I'm incredibly curious. I read widely. I listen well. I, I understand you so much. So I'm the same. That's, so if you have those three things, this that really helps. helps. Yeah. But also, it helps when you are willing to engage with people from all facets of life and, and not being wary. And I think that that happened for me in a much younger point in my life uh, when I was uh, going to high school. And the high school that I went to in, Amer in Chicago, yeah. the south side of Chicago, uh, was a multiracial high school. That was not something that was happening with that kind of regularity. Yeah. And therefore, I was sensitized much earlier than, I suppose, many, many other people. So I didn't develop the prejudices and that, that people have yeah. and hold on to. I, that is something that I... I actually don't have. It's not part of my DNA. It's beautiful. And it wasn't difficult for you at all. Correct? No, no, no. My best friends were, I mean, we, you know, we parted at the school gate. And everyone went back to their lives. And I have no idea what happened to my friends from high school. I have no idea. Mm. 
but during those four years. You were equal. Inside the school? It was wonderful. It was wonderful. God, yes. I mean, there was this marvelous fellow. I sang in the school choir, and he would keep me on key by singing in my ear (sighs) so I wouldn't go off key. So, yeah, I mean, it was about... It was about friendships. You could talk about anything. We were kids, and that was wonderful. That's beautiful. You know, so it was just, so I'm, I, I'm blind to those. I don't accept prejudices. I think that we are all of value, whoever we are, wherever we are. And I think that that led to political activism yeah. and to people saying we would like you to do this we believe that you can do this and, and one of those was the uh, the opportunity to work for the Democratic Party in America and to meet Gloria Steinem oh she, she's a legend and she was You're a legend so but lucky. Who, and I well I remember spending a day with her and I said why why am I here I don't understand I mean you don't need me here and at that point, I was leading an organization called, in, in Allegheny County, Pittsburgh, and, and that area, uh, called the National Women's Political Caucus. Yeah. And this was committed to getting women from all parties involved in politics. And it was the time, this was the springboard from Betty Friedan's seminal book. This was Gloria Steinem's vision. This was Pat Schroeder, Bella Abzug. Shirley Chisholm. These were the greats in American women yeah, in absolutely. politics, etc. And I had that tiny little moment of being involved in that. And um, and she looked at me and she said, "Well, the idea is that I've taken your hand, and that means that you must take someone else's hand throughout your career." Geraldine, this is and so that's, powerful. And that's what it was about. And so yeah. a couple of years ago, she came to London. And she spoke at the Emanuel Center. And she was being interviewed by Emily Watson. And I came in early, and there was a 1,000 people there. I mean, and her stories, and she looks as beautiful as she was then. And I, um, and I thought, God, I want to ask. I want to tell her something. But it's a crime I'm not going to be able to. And I was going to dinner with friends afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that she was at the same restaurant. That's and nice. her table was literally just across the way from mine. And I'm with my chums, and I said, you know, I have to go talk to her. I have to tell her. Great. And I went over, and I, and I said, Gloria, you will never, ever remember who I am, but I have to tell you something. All those years ago, you absolutely parted a piece of information to me, which to this day I continue to do and that I have always taken Aww. another woman's hand. And I have mentored throughout my career, which is, what, 40 years, and have led many, many women, but also men, but also young people across the board. And it's because of that. It's because it's telling, it's, it's telling whoever it is that we're all valid. We all have stories yeah. to tell. But also, it's a slog. It is not going to be fair. Yeah. It's going to be tough. And you have to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You take small steps. And with small steps, perhaps you get there. Absolutely. And perhaps not. Yeah. But you have got to be, you've got to be resilient. Oh, yeah. and, and I think one of the messages, and it's not, 
as easy here, I believe, to be as resilient as it was in America. Yes. Yeah, America so. kind of allows you to fail. It's true. You can brush off yeah. your knees and you can get up and you can try something else again. And you again. can't succeed if you don't fail. Exactly. Because you, you, you have to. You've got to be willing. part of the process. Yeah. yeah, you have got to be willing to fail. Yeah. You've got to be willing to handle being fired. It's a terrible thing. Yeah. It hurts. Dear yeah. God, it hurts. However, yeah. you brush your knees off and you keep going. And it's how you figure yeah. out how you're going to keep going. Absolutely. And having a mentor helping you and holding your hand can definitely help you, especially when you're failing. When you There's are no question. Yeah. I, I, was yeah. not, I did not have. I mean, people opened doors and then they let me fly if I was going to fly. I did not have mentors. I don't believe. But I think the mentor was the person that opened the door and I decided I like to walk that. through like the that. door. Yeah. So you have to judge. I have the same, when I was working in politics in Italy, yeah. I, I don't think he knows that he was my mentor, no, but I, he opened the door. Yeah, and I and think I, there is a difference, yeah. okay? There's a difference because the mentor might be someone at the end of a phone, yeah. or it might be someone that you meet a few times, yeah. but they have an influence on you. Yeah. Um, I had people that opened doors and they decided they, f they saw something, yeah. and I was not going to disappoint. And also they lead by example. Yeah. That's yeah. the most yeah. important yeah. thing. And they you know? were Because they a lot of people, they people. just talk. They talk, but then you, you observe them, and actually they're doing the opposite. And unfortunately, this happens with many women. You know, Many women, they talk about sisterhood, but they're actually not doing enough to help other women. I will that. <laughs> I mean, I, I know you're on the same page, yeah, right? Yeah, that I'm on totally the same page, and it's I'm so and I'm and I'm so saddened by it. I yeah. I feel that our challenges are how we come together, and somehow, I think we've got to get past this wonderful word called jealousy. Yeah, it's or not when, so wonderful. <laughs> I know it is not. That's why I'm saying yeah. it is not a good word. Yeah. It's a killer word. We have to learn how to become team players. We have to, and we have to kind of, when we walk into a room, to be assessed by more than what we wear. Oh my gosh, I okay. hear you so much. Yeah, so, or how we look, or how, how much we, we wait. You know, exactly. Uh, if and we have the wrinkles, thing, exactly. And it's I mean, so wrong. And I am so seeing. Wrong. I'm looking at um, women now, and. I worry about faces, because I've got this thing about, I believe there's only five faces, and that if women keep tweaking and doing what they're doing, we're only going to have five faces left. <laughs> and I'm dead serious. Because yeah, if you're talking you about look, Botox here. <laughs> I'm talking about Botox, I'm talking about Hollywood, I'm yeah. talking about role models, terrible, and I'm yeah. talking about yeah. what social media yeah. is doing to young women. Yeah. I cannot bear the thought that young women in their 20s and 30s are thinking yeah. they have to tweak and play with their faces. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, the majority of the pictures you see in social media on Instagram, they're all photoshopped, so they're know. all filtered. There's nothing real there. But how insecure these women, you know, should be to just well, live like this. Well, it's because it's the system. You know, if you keep saying things over and over and over again. People believe in that. If you keep saying untruths, mm -hmm. or if you keep appealing mm -hmm. to one's inner insecurities, yeah. people believe. People are frightened. And I think right now, we live in, in a time of great fright. And I think our heads are full of fear. Mm -hmm. 
And so when I think of women, how do we, how do we position ourselves? So if I'm going to position myself, I need to look younger than. I need to I know, be, I I need to be dressing a certain aging. way. There's a total stigma. Let me tell you something. It is tough being older. Being older is not for the faint-hearted. This yeah. is a scary period. But it shouldn't be like that, Geraldine. But it is because what happens here, you become, you're, you're not anything anymore. It's when a did terrible you, did, thing. Did you feel this uh, fear? After which age? I mean, I am seeing faces. I, I went back to an event. Well, I went back to a funeral. Um, it was Walter Cronkite's memorial service, yeah. and saw people that I hadn't seen in really quite a number of years. And a couple of them were unrecognizable. They had brand new faces. Wow. Brand new faces, totally. And so I'm just saying, you are they lose yourself. No. No, so we can't name them, so it doesn't, no one will know who they are. <laughs> you know, I'm curious. <laughs> I know, I know, but... <laughs> I'm we, trying we, my we best. <laughs> no, no, no. No, none of them are people that I really... Know. No, no, they were just oh, all... Tra- but it's... But, but let me tell you yeah, something. But it's an, it's an issue. I'm so happy you talked so openly well, about I'll that. Well, I'll tell you the other thing, and I, I will give mm. a real example. Mm. And it is when I put on American television news, and I see those gals on CNN, wherever they're from. Yeah. And they're wearing sleeveless and they've got the muscles showing in their arms and they're presenting in the hair. Everything is perfect, as is the face. Do you think I think of them as real journalists? Do you think I think of them as being serious, serious women? Mm. I have a problem. I understand, yeah. Okay, I want to see something in the eyes. The yeah. eyes tell you if you're intelligent. The face, what happens, yeah. what happens to a face yeah. when there is bad news, yeah. good news, you know, news that affects us, and I've got a blank face doing nothing. Yeah. No, this is not the way forward. It gives me sadness, seriously. I feel sad for them yeah. because they're just enslaved by this culture. That it really wants us to be forever young, yes, forever skinny, forever you know all yeah. looking the same. But why? Why is that? I think it's all connected with sexuality. Do you think? I think we're frightened not to be because we are seen as objects of uh, desire, and and sex is only seen for young people, especially for young women. I think that's an yeah. I think you're probably. I think there is a connection. Uh, well, it I must I be. think we're still sexual objects. Well, yes, because then you're getting to the whole Me Too movement, which yeah. we don't want to get into, I yeah. mean, truly, because that's exhausting. Um, yeah, we are, I mean, yeah. you know. But we have to break this. Yeah, but it's going to take time. It's going to take time as we acknowledge women scientists, women engineers, women doing everything that men can do. Yeah. But also, in many cases, acknowledging women who don't want to do any of that. And they're just as fine and as important as all of the course, women who want to. Be. So, Geraldine, tell me a little bit more about these five faces that women are allowed to have in Hollywood. As an well, I think more, more than Hollywood. What I began to notice when people began to play with their faces, if yeah. they weren't Botoxing, they were tweaking. I call it tweaking. Yeah. And I think that once you get caught up into tweaking, you spend so much time looking at your face rather than learning to live with your face. Yeah. 
And your face is your personality. It's got to speak. I judge people, you know, by their eyes. Do their eyes laugh? Do they move? What happens? Their smile. And if you have nothing on your face, yeah. and especially as you get older, you need to have something. Your face needs, people read. They used to read faces. Now they can't. I mean, You're right. Don't the, worry. I, you know, the other day there was a cover picture of Nicole Kidman on one of our, I, I can't remember if it was the Sunday Times. It was one of the newspapers, mm -hmm. their magazine. And I remember looking at the cover and thinking, I have no, who is that person? And it was only when I saw her name and I thought, God, I remembered you with your beautiful reddish yeah. hair. She was the so curls. beautiful. You were fresh. Yeah. You had a freshness. And now you've done concrete. And I just worry about people setting themselves in aspect far too young. And, and as we get older, this fear, this incredible fear of what's happening, that we feel we must tweak, we must... Yeah, it's we, we fear, must, you're it's right. It's total fear. But feeling the pressure well, of the society. It's well, it's society, but it's also, it's very hard to be older. It's yeah, really hard to be older, and because if you choose that you want to stay relevant, if you choose that you want to stay in the in the game, so to speak, you need to look. People, you're forced almost into feeling that you have to look younger than you are. Also, Feel the same pressure. Yeah, you absolutely do because, but it depends. It depends if but you work, if you're involved multi generationally. Yeah. Or if you are working within a set pattern, which is only your own generations above, beyond, or whatever. But Charlie, I think that truly powerful women and men as well are the ones who are accepting, you know, their age, and are the ones who are strong enough to just show who they are without covering themselves with plastic surgery, Botox, and becoming yeah, but, a mask, you know? Yeah, but that's... This is true power will, for but me. But it will also true take, freedom. I think, in a funny way, if we're going to think of a new movement, that would be the movement that we should have. Remember that you don't want to wear a mask. I love that. So let's do that. Off. We so are two activists let's, uh, let's sitting here. Off. So it's let's a brand new this. movement that we're going to launch. <laughs> mask off. <laughs> Needles away. Yeah. No, no yeah. surgery, no tweaking, no yeah. playing, no augmenting, no anything. I agree. Just I agree. be. Yeah. And you know, and it's, it's not, e I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's but not, you but know nothing something? in life it's easy. No, and I think Come that's, I, maybe one of the problems is that we're all looking to find ways. There must be a secret door that if we can enter, something will be all right. And I think that we're all so self-conscious now. Yeah. You know, we didn't, I didn't have a gym when I was, I mean, a gym was playing volleyball, it was playing tennis. It was just doing normal things. I mean, the last thing in the world I can do is go into a gym oh God, and, puddle, so and pedal so on a bike yeah. or row, a fake row. And also, you know, if you do that only to lose weight, because again, we are enslaved by this culture of yes, being skinny. Are. Yeah. That say that. Not only age less, but we have to be skinny to death, yeah. you know, and this is absurd for me. Well, that's eating a lot So if you only train for that, it must be so boring. It's so, you know. No, but people feel so that it isn't because they feel there's something. I love to train other things, things you know? Yeah, but I think that people are saying that it gets your endomorphine, that they get, something happens to your body that yeah. you actually crave the training. 
I am a super sporty person, but as an example, I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I do weightlifting sometimes, you know, but yeah. I'm very impressed. Because I want to be strong, because right. I want to know about self-defense. Right. Yeah. I tried know, boxing at one point. And that's great. And hysterical. also you release stress. Yeah. And it's yeah. great. You know, as an entrepreneur, I'm stressed. Yeah. You know, of course. All the time, as <laughs> yeah. we are. Yeah, as we I are. figure out going out the door, what am I going to do next? It's stress. You yeah. Know, what's going to happen? So I need to release the stress. Yeah. But again, you know, I'm doing something because I want to learn techniques I want to learn something you know I want to become a better in that I just don't want only to lose weight that must be so boring but I think it's the demand of society you see I it think is. that what is it happening is. is that uh, that women mm. are becoming fearful of their own dynamic their own being mm. that will it be acceptable and I think the amount the the onslaught of social media the yeah. Instagram thingy, now that you can have it's your own fake. avatar. It's so it's, and what I would hope, and especially for the youngsters. I mean, I'm really, I've got two young granddaughters, and I don't want them to be divas. I don't want them to stare at their faces. Yeah. I don't want them to worry. There's so much else to do. In fact, there's you so know. much else to do, you're right. There <laughs> is so much else to think about. Yeah. There's so much fun to have. Yeah. But if you're continually driven by this crazy vanity yeah. it's it's not helpful but also we as women have got to help free the other the, ones free yeah. that and you know moms have a responsibility to yes. their daughters when you're a mother you're not going to look exactly like your daughter even though you try and in many cases you know we pick up the magazines and we see the mothers and daughters, and the mothers are as tweaked yeah. as they can to look like their daughters. No, if you can look well because you're healthy, yeah. you have a healthy yeah. lifestyle, yeah. as I do, yeah. you know, it's fine, it's good, yeah. you know, it's great, of course. But yeah, trickling is it, too much. Yeah. It becomes an obsession. And I'm trying, and I, so I feel very strongly that we need to find a gentleness about the acceptance of age. Yeah. We need to like ourselves, and it's hard. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is easy. Each decade brings something else to it. But do you feel more pressure from men judging you or women judging you for your age, as an example? I'm curious. It's an interesting question. Um, the men, well, the men, I, no, I don't think about it. It's, it's women. It's, it's women. It's, 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 I, I, I hate, the I, answer. I, 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 hate, I hate, I hate to say it. Yeah. I can't bear that I have to say that we are not, we're not gentle with each other. Yeah. We. We judge too much. We absolutely do. Oh, she's do. fat, she's old, she looks like that. Well, oh, she's the a, other it's thing so is... so horrible. Yeah, but the other thing is, which is even something else, and I uh, have led you know, a few organizations that are women-based. I don't want to hear... You know, what we seem to have a need to do is to have a title and to make sure that we have our CVs and we have our red boxes so that when we sit down with each other, we're talking about our accomplishments. Yeah. I would rather talk about ideas. I would rather talk about books. I would rather talk about being surprised. I mean, there's a wonderful quote from Colette. Yeah. And I don't, this wonderful French writer from decades ago. And she wrote so well that I always, I always felt you could smell the bread baking when she described it. But she was a woman of an age. And she said that to have people take the time to astonish her with words, with ideas, for that gave her the last rays of light. 
And for me, that's what it's about. When I meet people and I'm chatting and we're exchanging ideas, yeah. nothing is more joyous than, wow, I, agree. I had never thought of that. Yeah. You have told me something I didn't know. Or let's, let's can we argue that point yeah. away? Yeah. So it's so much more refreshing than knowing that you've gotten this title, that you've achieved that, you've done whatever. And I understand the need for that. I absolutely know. But that's vanity. But that, well, no, oh. darling, our society, we're trying all so hard to be someone, to be somebody, to make a difference. I try to be heard. I that's, try to be heard yeah. because I want to change the world. Yeah. And that's... That's but some true. people want to be heard because it's not about changing the world. It's about maybe changing one person, one of small Of course, one thing. person at the time. Okay, and yeah. that's what Gloria Steinem was saying sure. to me. And then they and will help you know, exactly. me change you're, in the you're world. Making, yeah. You're making a difference. But it is, let's, one is jumping here, but it's steps to get here. You have to take steps. And you've got to understand. Steps. It's little small steps. steps. Years ago when I was um, in Bhutan, and there's this amazing monastery on the side of a mountain, and I wanted to get to that monastery. It was really important. And so we started up this climb, and we're walking really fast, and my heart is going to jump out of my body. And I stopped at the midway point, and others went ahead. And I kept looking at this place, and I was heartbroken because I thought, I can't get there. And the guide said, you can. He said, just when people climb Everest, it's very small steps, tiny, tiny steps, a little shuffle. He said, you'll get there. Just take smaller steps. Your heart will purr, and you will get there. And that's, and I walked out, I and know. I got there. And, and it's kind of become a credo. So when I'm talking, and because uh, I'm a Princess Trust mentor, business mentor, and I'm talking to these young entrepreneurs full of ideas, ready to go, and I'll say, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. You're here, but you haven't done here. You've got to, can yeah. we step back and start with step one? Because there are steps to get to where you want to go. Exactly. And it's about taking small steps. Yeah. But it's having the vision. It's having the belief. Having a long-term vision. You've got to have objectives. Yeah, You've got you need to, to see set, the big yeah. picture, yeah. not the small one. Yeah. It's not tomorrow. But this also comes with the aging, you know, because I think now with, there is this obsession of being successful in your 20s. Yeah. Everything has to happen in one night. But it's completely untrue. This is not life. This is not success. Well, it's not going to happen in one night. Yeah. I mean, for some people it will. Maybe but it can I, happen for a few lucky ones. Well, but come on. I, it's you not know, I, I think where that started was with new media because you had people instantly in their 20s working in garages yeah. creating Apple. Yeah. But okay, come on, so how many? People, few of them. But, but you've got people you know, mm. creating apps. They're creating yeah. all kinds of things. Um, and I have no problem with that. But what I am saying, with that, there will dips happen. Yeah, yeah. Things yeah. happen that are unknown that you don't know. You know, competition happens. Somebody gets a better idea, that happens. So how does one deal with all of that? And you have to give yourself time as well. And you have to, I think that what we are not doing yeah. uh, is taking time to be thoughtful. I think one of the most important things that we need to do is to turn off the phone to turn yeah. off social media and open a and good book. take a good book but also take a walk 
listen to birdsong, get out, watch the sky, look at clouds, walk in the rain. Just do yeah. something I, that stops I all agree. the noise that you're hearing. Because I found, because I'm working on a book, that um, when I take a walk, that suddenly a lead will happen. I used to solve all my business problems when I was walking across Albert Bridge because I knew I had to deal with things during the course of the day and this was the menu, the agenda. Yeah. And I would have all the answers as I walked because I was away from the noise. You're right. And that's and I think if anything I can tell people, you know, your listeners, is turn off for a while. Mm -hmm. Every if it's going to be weekends, but every day, find quiet time for yourself. Yeah, you're right. Totally. You know, if you possibly can. Do you feel you're uh, British as well as American or no? I don't feel I'm American anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I feel much... Uh, my, my America... It doesn't exist anymore? No, it doesn't. I don't understand where, what, what has happened to America. You know, right now, under threat in America yeah. is something all those decades ago, back in the 70s, when I was active in the National Women's Political Caucus, we were working for the Equal Rights Amendment, yeah. which is still not passed. But we're also committed to Roe versus Wade. And that was about giving rights to women over their bodies, over yeah. birth rights. Were they going to be able to have of freedom to make a decision. I mean, you did a lot in America, but do you feel that is going backwards now with Trump? Going backwards? Yeah. I think it's <laughs> even worse. I, you know, I, I think I think all civilizations have their time. Um, Romans, Greeks, mm -hmm. everyone has kind of a time, a cycle. Yeah. And I think with the election of Trump. And if Trump is reelected, which I believe he will be. No, let, let, let's be optimistic. Let's I, I wish <laughs> I could be optimistic. Um, I'm not optimistic because I don't see men and women of the Republican Party and the citizens standing up for what is correct and right. You see, I always felt, yes, Trump could be president. He would do things that would awaken and change things. But I expect the Congress, the Senate, and the House to hold our leaders to account. I don't expect bombs to go off. I don't expect what is happening to happen. I don't expect foreign policy on Twitter. I don't expect the behaviors that I am seeing and also total lack of civil discourse and the raising of fear. That is what is happening in America. People are fearful. And that's not good. And the damning of the press and what he has done to journalism, that is not good. It's silencing them, right? Absolutely. Well, he, not only silencing them, he's negating them. He's, it's, it's about name-calling. We, we live in a world... This one I went at the very beginning talking about words and how important they are. Yeah. He has... It, it's not a vocabulary of intelligence. It's a, it's a shock vocabulary. It's the vocabulary of a man who was a host of a television show called The Apprentice, and all he did was fire people, yeah. and he was going to be the last man standing. I feel that that's where American politics has gone, and that's what's happening. 
But I believe that things can always change. Of I course they that, can change. You know, of course they can change. But if, I mean, I want them to, I am desperate for them to change. But I need our leaders to begin. I need the Republican Party, which I care about enormously, to say no. This is not good enough. I need people not to be afraid. Let's hope. I think women in America can really make the difference in the future, in the future elections. I, I think now they well. absolutely can. I mean, yeah. I, I think, but it's not just, but darling, it's more than women. It's everyone. Of course. It's but everyone women can that have can have their voice. Yes, you know. but people need to go Earth. to the polls. They need to be, you know, people have registered to vote, but now suddenly they're being told they can't vote. I mean, you know, it is obstacle, obstacle, obstacle. I need the women to be together to do this. And I know they will. I absolutely know they will. But our problem now is the Supreme Court, which is cons going very conservative. And it's also the fact of federal judges. You know, lifetime appointments are given to people now yeah. who are not qualified for those lifetime appointments. Now, I'm going to be told by, you know, I'm going to be lambasted online now. Yeah. I don't believe in name-calling. Yeah. I think that is not effective. I think it shows that you don't have enough vocabulary. Sure. And I think that you're not thinking. And shame on you. Yeah. Be wiser. So that's my whole political thing. We can move on from <laughs> there. I think I have burned enough American bridges at this point in time. <laughs> and I love my country. I love both of these countries. I'm and sure, I am, I'm sure. And I, they have given me a wonderful life. And they have, it's been an, quite an experience. If you look back at your life now, yeah. what did you learn? I learned that you have to take chances. You've got to listen. You know, I had this little voice inside of me. I, I was a really bad student, okay? I was I was a daydreamer. I was always looking for a door that would open. That's why this is so weird about doors opening. I was always curious. I read, I just read all the time. And I tried to get my head around understanding the world because I couldn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get hatred. I didn't get understanding. How could we look at a neighbor and suddenly one day think that they were vermin. Yeah. There were names that we began to call people. And I, so I, in being that student, being that kind of not terribly good student, um, in fact, being a terrible student, I was a dreamer. <laughs> and as a dreamer, I think that what happened this through circumstances, I think I became fearless. I began, because you see, there's two words, okay? No. No is a big word. No yeah. kind of puts the sword right through your heart and can kill you. But it's a very short word. And it's very powerful. Totally powerful. You know, it stops things in its tracks. And then there's that marvelous yes word with that long S. And that kind of is a hopeful word. So I always took no as saying, okay, so that's a no. A no means a challenge. Is there a way that one can curve that no? Is there an argument? How does one deal with no's? How does one deal with walls? How does one deal with things that aren't fair? How does one 
work their way? How does one kind of cut a path through that where you stay true to yourself, you feel, I live by a sense of honor, I live by yeah. a sense of truthfulness, where I am not, that those two things, those are the, the standards, those are the two legs, yeah. that if I have that, how do I navigate the world that I am in? What do I say? How do I say it? And I think it's led me now, at this particular stage in my life, where I was fearful. I mean, people opened, I did what I had to do corporately, all the various things that I've done. But now, at this point in my life, it's probably sitting here with you because we're having this kind of conversation because now I am saying things that I am writing about. I am absolutely able to say, yeah, I took chances. I had to be fearless. I, I had to be true. And I think that that has kind of set me on a path now that says, so this chapter is about writing my stories and saying yeah. them and saying them out loud and doing them. I love and that. So you own being, your story I and am you want to inspire exactly, other women. I want us other men all. As well. I, darling, yeah. I love men. <clears throat> I love people from all backgrounds. I'm colorblind, put it that way, and against all. I, I just, I can't bear hatred. I can't bear destruction of people. Yeah. I can't bear any of what we're doing. And I will have to stay true to what I am because that's the only way that I can put one foot in front of the other. I love it. So that's what I'm about. Which is your biggest achievement? Right now? Yeah putting one foot in front of the other, <laughs> sitting here with you. My greatest achievement, I think, has to be via two organizations, actually, a number of organizations. Um, first, which made me part of the uh, British establishment, was the International Women's Forum, mm -hmm. which was uh, started by Baroness Jean Denton, and my great mentor, and I do have one wonderful mentor, and her name is Barbara Hosking. And Barbara Hosking, I think, is 91 or 92. And she is a total inspiration. She was in the Heath and Wilson Press Office. She was the most marvelous, marvelous woman. Feisty as all get out. It's about being feisty, you know. It's also about being able to laugh at yourself. Um, yes, don't take so, yourself too seriously. Yeah, you I always say that. Yeah, can't. <laughs> you have to kind of be able. Yeah. I mean, I want to be joyful. It's, it's about that as well. It's yeah. about that wonderful quote about being astonished. And it's about being open to all kinds of people, meeting people yeah. and, and taking delight. And the big thing is, is being, for me, being very multi-generational. And that has really been important. What do you mean in being multi-generational? I have a world that is inhabited with good friends from the age of 20. Yeah. All, well, even my granddaughters, all the, from their 20s, can be even teenagers, all the way up into their 90s. Amazing. That's what I mean by that. There's real diversity. So when I visit New York, I see a wealth of people from all those touch points. We're all now older, yeah. but they're all at various yeah, touch sure. points. And touch points keeps me centered. It, it it brings new ideas because if I only stay in one place, in one generation, I'm not going to be able to hear 
what other people are thinking, what they're, what they're trying to do, Absolutely. what you're trying to do. Yeah. So therefore, I can't be in any way empowering or inspirational or anything, or can my story help? So for me, it is having these stories get out there because perhaps it touches someone in some way that makes them think, I think I can do that. You know, in, in giving communications advice with some people who want to know what to do, I'll say, you know, think of break down a year into quarters. Very easy if you break down a year into quarters and you map out what you want to achieve in a quarter. Yeah. That makes it easier. And then from that quarter, you can almost map it out for a week or a day or whatever. Now, I can give all of this advice. Do I do it? No, not at all. <laughs> but the point is, it's in my head and it kind of flows and yeah. it kind of works that way. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. We are not perfect. We are not robots. Come on. I mean, well, I, I don't believe in people who show up and, and say, you know, I do this exactly the same every day. I mean, there must be some kind of error. Well, there is this amazing, um, the gal, the can-do person, the can, the wonderful thing about organizational, I'm supposed to kiss my clothes and then have them go away yeah. or whatever you're supposed to do. I can't do those things. I mean, my, my organization is, I look neat as a pin, but everything is in drawers. And when I periodically open a drawer, I go, okay, I've got to straighten that or whatever. I, I guess because you are creative. I think creative I, people. I think creative people have a... They're more massive. They're, yeah, there is a more muddled, it, it's not a process-led yeah. brain. It's not lateral, though it's not that. Yeah. But I think also it gives us a willingness to do the roller coaster. Yeah. I think probably it might be easier for us who are more creative to handle yeah. that sweep rather than what happens if you are processed and you are only. Yeah. I mean, my career has clearly not been that. Um, it has been, it's had turns and roundabouts yeah. and other thoughts and taking chances. You know, I came to the UK in 1983 it was a big chance to take it was, at the time. Oh, God, yeah. yes. Ted Turner had launched CNN in America. Yeah. And I thought, and no one, and, and I was working uh, with CBS, and the networks felt if they ignored him, you know, he might go away. But there was something in me that said, he's not going to go away. This is something new. Yeah. This is something that is going to change the face of news. And you were right. And I thought, but I have yeah. no other language. Where do I need to go to understand the international market? Yeah. Because America is, you know, it's, it's an isolationist country, basically. I mean, except for the East and the West Coast. And it's a glorious country. But, um, and I came here, and ITN was gutsy enough to hire this American, you know, who said, well, whoever I need to know, I'll know. Yeah, wonderful. Because I did, did a that. Good choice. You know, I did that in the state. I, well, it's because the worst thing that can happen to you when you lift up a phone, or when you try to do something, if they say no, if they're going to say no, I always say that. Always right? say that. Right. So yeah? they're going to say no. So if they're going to Just say try. no, yeah. you wouldn't know that unless you tried. So you yeah. find out. Tell me why. Tell me what didn't yeah. work for you, because then. I learn, and then in that learning, I then adapt and change of course. until I can figure out how, how it's all built, how, how we build on it, of course. how we make it happen.
And I know that you also uh, helped the launch of The Economist in the U.S., correct? Yeah, years ago. That was in 1978. It was, it had a, a small circulation. It was, um, I pitched for the account. It was a tiny little budget. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get the account that said we were going to launch. We wanted to grow. I think they, at the time, wanted to grow their circulation. I think it was only 18,000. How did okay? it go? They wanted to get it to 24,000. And I said to them, I will get it into the hands of everyone who needs to have it. And The right um, people. The right people. Well, it was all the news org. It was to the news organizations, yeah, sure. et cetera. And by that time, um, I, I knew people. I could make it happen. And I was very lucky. They did a survey on Chicago. I had grown up in Chicago. I knew the whole market. And that survey got a huge amount of publicity everywhere. And, and they were off and running, and they had the most glorious reporters. I mean, at that point in time, um, uh, Andrew Neal worked, was a reporter, correspondent at The Economist. I knew Andrew all those years ago. Dudley Fishburne, who was also another reporter, correspondent, and he became an MP here. So it was this magical time. It was a one-off project. And they went from strength to strength because the idea was that this was the magazine that if you needed to know anything about the world, yeah. etc., you would get it in The Economist with this kind of clear view. Sure of events, et cetera. It's a great magazine. And, it's, and, and it has stayed my must-read all these you know, decades later. And indeed, I'm part of an organization called Editorial Intelligence. And every year, for 10 years, they did a, um, a program called the Comment Awards, where they did a number of categories. And the chairman, I was chairman back, um, I think, in 2017. And my choice, and I have a chairman's choice of what who I wanted to acknowledge, and the publication I acknowledged as the most important publication was the Economist. So of that course. was kind of it was of a good circle. <laughs> I loved it. It was great fun to be able to do. I'm sure about that. It was. So, do you think that connections are fundamental in order oh, God, to yes. achieve success? In oh God, yes, connectivity. Yeah. That's where I said when I started with about the curiosity, reading widely, joining things, you know, but, um, but connectivity, but it's not always asking, you know. It's when giving I was, as well. It was always giving. When, I, when I started in, in public relations, and I had, been, I had worked in the media, in journalism, but I wound up in PR for all kinds of reasons, which we don't. Um, and I... And I remember, you know, I had to meet press. I had to take them out to lunch and whatever. But I never started the conversation with asking. Let me t asking or telling them what I had. I would go because I wanted to know them. Yeah. And in wanting to know them, I'd have conversations. Yeah. And at the very end, over coffee, I would say, you know, I'm thinking of this or that, and this is what I'm working on. And I was reading. The other thing is, whoever I went out to see, I had done a thorough search. I knew what they had written, what they were saying on television. You know, I had done it's fundamental. every, I, it's, I know. you know, to do research is really kind of important. So I never went in, and I have never gone in to this day not prepared. 
you know, looking up what yeah. your what your dream is and what your objectives are. Same thing. Yeah, I understand. You have it. got to be prepared. You I do the same all the time. Be prepared. Yeah. So that was one, and so um, the connectivity was always the fact that even when I had nothing in common any longer, there were people that I had met throughout my career along the way across all professions that I enjoyed the company of. And I continue to see them. I'm in contact with them. That's great. And that's what it's about as well. And, and what it has resulted in for some of those people is that, as I have followed their careers and what they're doing is that I can link people together who I think will benefit each other that it will be something that will work for someone. It might be someone here to someone in America. It might be America to here. But that's the strength of connectivity. That's the strength of networks. Because you have a real, true network and yeah. real connections, not yeah. fake ones, not the ones that you only use once and then you, you disappear. No, 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 you can't. Th that's what makes a difference, Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. for me, if someone, and listen, I have been used. Mm -hmm. There is no question. You, I think we you, all we, uh, that is mm. and but the thing is I do remember <laughs> okay I also remember the person that made the promise that didn't deliver to that promise okay. I also remember the person that didn't say thank you I also remember the person that didn't think perhaps they needed to open the door for me yeah yeah I hear you so okay, much this happens so to all of us it is Jordan. that yeah. It is, connectivity is about working together. And if we don't work together, we're not going anywhere. And, and this being kind of, loyal and to be, each other. Well, loyal is, yeah. well, loyal is, I think we don't use it enough. And I think probably that's perhaps where we women need to address this a bit better than we do. Yeah. I think we think we do it well. But we still have to learn. We, there is still many, many gaps in our learning. I understand. And in, and in how we look at each other and how we deal with each other. Absolutely. And we have got to remember kindness. Absolutely. First of all, perfection doesn't exist. And second of all, I think there is too much jealousy still, as you were saying before, you know? I, I, I think we're uncomfortable. We're mm. uncomfortable because is that person smarter than me? Is that person, you know, you look at everybody's credentials and you suddenly think, shoot, God, I can't measure up. But it depends on that person, how welcoming that person is, because that person who wants to connect might know a bit more than you know on totally different things. And this would benefit you anyway. Absolutely. You see, yeah. it's all a benefit because if you share ideas, if you share thoughts, if you can find common ground, if we can break down the silos, we're going to accomplish so much more. Rather than labeling this person thinks that or they're in that job, how can they best help me? Think differently. Think broader. Yeah. Think with ideas. Think, you know, I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm dismayed. I'm, I'm, I'm dismayed. Um, I'm also thinking, I think we also have got to be practical. I also think we've got to think, it's wait a second, yeah, practical. I mean, but also practical and pragmatic and, and to realize that you might be good at some things, but sometimes you blow up your own ego to such an extent that really, come on, it's too much. That's, a bit, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a bit over the top.
you know, you're enough self-congratulations. Enough. Yes. <laughs> I understand that. And what about love for a powerful woman? Do you think we have problems in achieving love and long-term relationships if we are powerful? Boy, oh boy, that came out of left field. Um, <laughs> I think, gosh, I, I think love depends on the kind of love that you want. Yeah, I was thinking about romantic love now. Okay, but I think there's two kinds yeah. of love. I think to be respected is really important. I think partnerships where there is love exchanged and sometimes that love is the deepest friendship of all. Yeah. And it might not be, you know, as you get older, love, love goes through all kinds of forms. Um, there's the, that gigantic love of passion, you know, your first passions. And then there's families, you have kids, everything changes at all kind of, you get tired, changes you get older. Changes during the time with the same person or oh, changes it, when think, you get older? I think, it I think it can be with the same, I, I'm talking broadly now. I'm not talking just about me. I'm yeah, talking sure. in the widest way that I possibly can. Um, I think we all make choices. I think for women who have not married and have, are, are navigating this world without that and, and how they interpret love might be totally different than the married woman, how she interprets love. So there is all kinds of interpretations of love. And what about sex for women? Do you think it changes with age or no? Darling, I still love a great flirtation. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. I think to, to flirt, even though we're not allowed to flirt any longer, to be thought of as a woman, oh, Come on now, let's not give that up as well. Yeah, I think the same, seriously. But okay. I think there is a lot of stigma on that as well. You I know, know I know we're not supposed to say that. Yeah. I know I'm being totally politically incorrect. Yeah. But I also know that when a man hears no, it's no. Yeah, sure. And we have to be able to say no, knowing that there will not be a repercussion from that no. Sure. And that's where, that's that that line and I so I'm always trying to figure out how does one do that as a woman today where both parties feel that they've won so how do you do a win-win with the word no that's the question I don't think there are real problems seriously if the man is not a person who likes to harass other people you know I don't think they're problems no but what happens this whole look if we're taking this me too for yeah. example okay those young women, yeah. young, vulnerable women. Yeah. They, it was about career. It was sure. about their dreams. Sure. How do you navigate mm. that no yeah. and still win? That's what I'm talking about. But that's uh, a power, you know. Totally power. Control po That problem. is yeah. control power, Absolutely. and that's what we have to deal with. Yeah. And that's the problem. But we also have that with women. To each other. You know, I was a mom. I had children. I have children. They were little people. When I worked, no one could know that I had children. You were hiding this? You did because you had to be at work. You couldn't say, I've got to go disappear now because I've got a PTA meeting or I've got to go do this yeah. or I've got to go do that. But do you think it's right? 
It was awful. Yeah, it was awful. awful because let me tell yeah. you something: the women bosses who had not married, who did not have kids, they were the ones who were harder on you. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, I understand that because they had to give up that they, for their career. You got it, or yeah. whatever the decisions were. I understand. But it is to show. It's show power. And that that's, I'm very that's very sad. And that sad. was sad. No, I'm a mother as well, so yeah. I understand. So it is people. how, yeah. it's, you must understand that this existed. This, this is real. But things are changing. Totally. That's yeah. what I'm so excited about. Yeah. And I'm hearing it. And I'm also seeing more young women, like you becoming entrepreneurs. Yeah. You're doing things, and you're doing things that you didn't even dream of before. Sure. And that's what it was about. So I had a dream all those years ago. And I've, I've taken that dream and I've done it. Yeah, I really love it. Would you consider yourself a game changer? I consider myself probably a change maker. Yeah. Okay, game changer, change maker. And I think in a funny way, probably there was, a, it was what I did. I, there wasn't, the word entrepreneur didn't even exist. I did what I did because I needed to live my life. I knew that there was only one life, and I wanted to have it, and I didn't want to just... You were hungry. I was hungry, and, but yet I respect women, mothers, who decided they did not want this life. You see, it was... What I worry about is either or. Sure. And yeah. I don't want us to in any way sure. shame the women... Absolutely, no. ...who stayed and made lives at home. Yeah because they raised wonderful children. Yeah, but it has to be a choice. That's the point. Do you we, make if you we are need allowed to be free exactly, to exactly. But yeah. also that means the workplace also has to be open yeah. to women who have raised their children and want to come back into the workplace. Yeah. And that also means that when you hit the, your freedom card age yeah. that you're suddenly not made redundant. Yeah. Okay, because in this country, one, mm -hmm. one of the things that I have done, which is another kind of way of dealing with this, when you hit your 60s and 65 or whatever, suddenly you are either, and you're labeled, you're an OAP, you're a, that's an old age pensioner, or a pensioner, retired, old, so you are gradually erased. And there used to be a street sign, a triangle street sign, with a little old lady walking across the yeah. road being helped by somebody. And I remember saying, I'm not doing that. I don't accept that. It is not part of my DNA. You can call me an elder. And so I am... I like am, that. I like I that am, you don't accept that. And I, I won't. Absolutely yeah. not. I am an elder. And I will continue to be an elder. Yeah. So old, don't think so. You're an amazing elder, let me tell you that. <laughs> well, whatever. It's, it's, yeah. it's, but it's an interesting thing to do because what I've done now, because I say it all the time, many of my women friends in some of the organizations are now calling themselves elders. And I'm seeing that the word is now dripping down across many, many women that would have never used that word. You know, the, uh, retired. I mean, come on now, guys. Yeah, no, You're not retired. Yeah, it's sad. It's yes. so sad. You don't <laughs> want because the minute yeah. you kind of label yourself yeah. with that, it's because true. they're not. They're on boards. They're doing all kinds of things. Of course. And you've got to be able to understand yeah. that you've got value. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why absolutely. you can't allow 
I mean, men kind of stay on. Women need to feel they can stay on as well, and we must not allow ourselves to be invisible. Yes. So when they say that 50 is the new third, whatever they're saying these days, let me tell you that those women who I know that are in their 80s are giant women. Yes. So let's think of them as the new 60. I love that, Geraldine. <laughs> I love that. So Geraldine, now it's the time of the final five. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, yeah. go for it. I'll give it a go. <laughs> Tell the truth, only the truth, and be as fast as you can. Well, Quick. fast is a whole other thing, but go ahead. <laughs> yes. Okay, so what people would never know about you just by looking at you? Looking at me, they wouldn't know that I'm fearless. I can tell that. <laughs> what did you learn from your past relationship? To be understanding. Which is your spirit animal? A hummingbird. What would be your superpower if you were a superhero? My brain. A super brain? A super large brain oh. that can solve Maybe it could solve all the problems of the world. Oh, I love that. Right. So it's kind of, it's going back to, to, to words, to how we're going to live. Maybe the answers. That's great. And the final one, which is the meaning of life? Being kind, being flexible, being caring. There's so many meanings. It's meaning live a good life and stand up for what you believe in. Stand up for what you believe. I love this, Geraldine. Okay. And I think you are amazing. Oh, thank you. Yes. It has been an amazing. Pleasure. Well, it's been. It's really been a thoughtful time because you've asked things that have surprised me and and have me thinking about stuff. Oh, that's great. So thank you. So I will wait for you here for the next season. Absolutely, I'm all. I'm going to be prepared. I promise. <laughs> that's great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for watching Unleashed the Game Changers. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Geraldine as much as I did. I th truly think she's a powerhouse. So please leave your comments below. Let me know what do you think and let me know who do you think I might interview the next time. And don't forget to subscribe if you want to support this channel and my content because I need your support and I need you to share with all your friends via all your social media. Stay tuned to the next episode. It will be great. Till the next Friday. Bye.